Welcome back to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. With me today is Rich Lewis, and we're going to unpack centering prayer. What is centering prayer? But before we jump in, here's a bit about Rich. Rich Lewis is an author, speaker, and coach who focuses on centering prayer as a means of inner transformation. He teaches centering prayer in both his local and virtual community and offers one-on-one -on -one coaching. He publishes a weekly meditation, book reviews, and interviews on his site, Silence Teaches. He has published articles for numbers of organizations, including Contemplative Light, Abbey of the Arts, Contemplated Outreach, Erd Word, In Search of a New Eden, The Ordinary Mystic, at Pathios, and The Contemplative Writer. Rich has been a daily practitioner of Centering Prayer since June 1st, 2014. Centering Prayer has been so life-giving and life-changing that he feels compelled to share his journey with others who wish to learn more. Rich resides with his family in Amber, Ambler, Pennsylvania. Learn more about him at www.silenceteaches.com. And without further ado, let's welcome Rich Lewis. Great. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Reading your bio, Rich, was phenomenal. But we all know a bio is just a bio. So tell me something that you did not put in the bio. Something I did not put in the bio. Um, you had to throw something like that. I can go completely off it. I, um, I have three children. Two of them are, but I consider them my biological, but we, uh, we weren't able to have children. So my first two children are adopted from Moscow, Russia. So I've been to Russia six, five or six times um, adopting the first two. The, the first, uh, Benjamin was adopted in 2000, or no, 1998, and then Gabriella was adopted in 2002. So I don't often share that, but I guess I've, I've been to Russia five times, and my first two children are from Russia, but I consider them my biological children. And then they say, this is what happens. All of a sudden, you're relaxed. Uh, Joshua, then uh, I was my wife became pregnant with Joshua. He's 13. So the Benjamin is now almost 25. Gabriella is almost 21. And Joshua is 13. So um, I have three kids, two from two mad Russians, as I call them, and, and one, uh, <laughs> one uh, mad USA. <laughs> He's not, neither one of them are, none of them are mad. So how, how's that for something not in my bio? <laughs> I like it because it definitely puts perspective on who Rich is. And do you speak Russian a little bit? I do not, not, not at all. In fact, I remember when we were there and I remember we, we wanted to grab a quick lunch. So we went to a McDonald's and I remember looking up at the, the board and seeing, the, uh, I forget the, what, what, the, what it's called, but not even making any sense out of it. So I simply pointed to the person behind me and said, two of them so that whatever those people wanted is what I wanted. So <laughs> I do not speak. And it worked out because you can't mess up at, at McDonald's, but uh, I do not speak Russian. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm glad that you shared that, Rich, because so you have two um, Russian kids that are biologically yours that you adopted and then one of your own. And that is beautiful. So that gives me more context of <laughs> who Rich is. And thank you for sharing that fun fact about yourself. And today we're going to talk about what is centering prayer and why is centering prayer so important to you? 
Sure, sure. Um, so we'll start off with what is center, you know, what is centering prayer. So centering prayer um, has been around since the early 1970s, and it's considered um, meditation, so silent, wordless prayer and a relationship with God. During centering prayer, you open to the presence and actions of God within during your silent sit. So I'll just give a quick history of it. It was created in the early 1970s by three Trappist monks. So three Catholic priests saw that uh, other forms of meditation were happening and they wanted something for the Christian community. So one of the priests, William Manager, was reading a, an old book called The Cloud of Unknowing. And in it, kind of the me a method of, of a silent prayer popped out at him. So he, they began sharing it amongst clergy and priests and then lay people. And then about 10 years later, created the Contemplative Outreach Organization, um, which is really the main centering prayer organization. It was excuse me, contemplativeoutreach.org. And there's a ton of centering prayer resources on it. And you could go on there and find groups that practice all throughout the US as well as internationally. So that's a little bit about the history, 50 year old practice meditation and a relationship with God is what it's considered. And then I'll, sh and I'll, let me share how you do it. So you sit comfortably with your eyes closed with the intention of opening to the presence and actions of God within. And then you interiorly introduce a word. So call a sacred word, one or two syllables. It could be God, love, Jesus, the ocean. And that signifies you're beginning your silent sit and opening to the presence and actions of God within. And then when you begin engaging your thoughts, and what I mean by that, that, that is you think about all the things you were doing before your sit, or you think about after the sit, well, all the, what are the errands you're going to do? And what, what's the next thing you're going to do? You realize you're no longer sitting with God. You're sitting with yourself and you're planning and plotting. And so you reintroduce that sacred word, come back to the present moment, come back to God, let go of your engaged thoughts, and then let go of the sacred word. And you do that when needed. Anytime you realize you're, you're not sitting with God anymore, you're sitting with you and your thoughts, you reintroduce that sacred word to let go of your thoughts. And then you let go of your sacred word. And the last thing I'll say is you don't use that sacred word as a mantra. And there are mantra practices where you're saying it repetitively. In centering prayer, you just use it when you need it. So that's a little bit about centering prayer and, and how you do it. I like that. I like that that you um, walked us through it, um, Rich, because then the listeners and the viewers can practice it if they're interested in practicing centering prayer. So it's like a way for you to still your mind and shut out all the busyness because we all know that we could be very busy, but are we just being busy to stay busy or are we really being intentional with saying that we're busy? So with you doing contemporary prayer. It's like you are tuning out everything else. You're focusing on that one word and you're stilling your mind. Would you say that I said that accurately? Yes. So you're, it's really just stilling your mind and getting rid of all the interior chatter, which is an almost impossible task. Our, our brains are always working. But you might discover during your center of prayer sits, so sometimes your mind's going a mile, a mile a minute. Other times you can slow down and, and sometimes you don't know where you went. You know, you didn't fall asleep, but you went in the spaces between your thoughts where it was more and more of just you and God sitting together during this sit. So what led you to get involved 
with centering prayer? Was it a life circumstance? Was it you just trying to tap into your vertical relationship with your source and just kind of let God usher into your life and really connect with him on a more deeper level? Or what did that look like for you, Rich? Sure. So I, I found Centering Prayer in 2013. So I think prior to that, I, I think I, I didn't know what I was looking for. I knew I needed, I, I know, I knew I needed a deeper relationship with God. I, I knew I wasn't going as deep as I could go with God and trusting God, but I didn't know what it was and what it looked like. So it found me. So I, I had read books by Carl McCullman, and he talked a lot about this transforming power of silence. So I, at that time, that was before I began practicing Centering Prayer, I would just sit in silence for minutes at a time. And then it was brutal because I didn't know what I was doing, and I was just sitting there, but I figured I'm going to persist. He, he's telling me this is transforming. But then I was perusing Amazon, looking for a book to read in late 2013, and found a book called Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots by Amos Smith. And in his book, he talked about a practice he had been doing for about 15 years called Centering Prayer. And that immediately interested me because I thought, now I know what to do in this silence. There was a practice. So I began practicing it. I reached out to him, and, and we've become friends since then. And, and, and I began reading other books on centering prayer. So um, it found me, I guess. God, God put it in front of me on Amazon. <laughs> Everything's on Amazon. <laughs> so before it found you, did you already have a relationship with Christ or were you just trying to reinvent something and just you know, kind of going through the emotions of life, because I like to say that life can be a roller coaster ride. There's always ups and downs, there's high moments, low moments, and etc. And it's in sometimes those low moments where we're forced to tap into who God is, or the universe, or whatever people may say, but I do come from a religious and spiritual background. So I do believe, um, but it's a journey that you have to go through for yourself whenever you are ready, because if somebody tries to push it on you, all you're going to do is, you know, dial it back, if that makes sense. Right. No, I had, had already believed in God and, and believed very much in Jesus and, and who Jesus was and what he represented. I, I think it was just I needed to go deeper in my prayer life. And, and I didn't realize there's other ways to pray. I and mean, you can think about it. There's vocal prayer where you're, you're praying to God out loud and either complaining or asking for things or praying for others or just having a conversation. Then there's more of a meditative prayer where perhaps you're reading scripture and you're saying, God, what are you trying to tell me as I read this? What message do you want me to get today as I read this? And then there's contemplative prayer, which is really just sitting with God, where little, little rich is little being is sitting with big being and letting God pray in me and, and just trusting God and, and what will God pray in me for as I get up from the silent sit and what do I need just for the rest of the day. So I think I just needed to deepen my connection to God and, and learn other ways to pray to God. So, and I, and I tell people, don't give up other, your, all your different ways of praying, you know, add maybe a silent prayer practice to deepen and enrich your other prayer forms. What would you say to someone who doesn't believe in God, or maybe they've lost faith in God because life circumstances have hit them so hard. They feel like God is not even there um, and that's what I like about centering prayer is you, you come as you are. 
if, if you think about it, you can, anybody can practice centering prayer and, and see what happens. So you don't have to worry about what you say. You can come angry. You can come upset and, and just sit with God and see what happens and, and, and follow the practice of letting go of, of this anger or these emotions and just sitting with God and, and showing up on, on a daily basis. So, and that may be hard, but, but that's really the, that's how it, that's the practice is you come as you are, wherever you're at. So even if you don't want to, even long-term practitioners of centering prayer might say, I don't want to show up today, or I got other things to do, or I'm busy. That's okay. Show up anyhow and let go of whatever that thought is and just trust God and trust your time together. There's no such thing as failing at sitting with God. The only way to fail, and you're not a failure, is if you don't show up. <laughs> I would agree because when I tell you I went through a rough patch last year, I really went through a rough patch and I began to question God, but you know, that's a part of me being a human being because I was like, God, I don't understand why you took my dad away. A man who was very religious and spiritual believed in you and et cetera. But my dad ended up passing due to medical negligence and you know, he went through a lot of suffering where he went into the hospital walking and three days later, he was paralyzed from the waist down. His whole entire quality of life changed. And there would be days where I would just see my dad, just tears flowing down his eyes. And maybe he was praying for something else while me and my family was praying for healing. I would never know. Or I, lo I lost my Fortune 500 job in oil and gas. That happened, I found out one week after my dad passed. Then in August this year, my grandmother passed as soon as I was getting closer to my dad's mom, he, she passed. And I was like, okay, so it's like, boom, boom, boom. Three big things happen back to back to back. And I'm like, God, I'm very angry. Like, I don't understand why you're doing this to me and why there are evil people still, you know, living their life like it's golden, but people who really serve you and believe you are passing and they're just dropping. I don't understand it. But that was a part of me having to talk to God and let him know that I'm not okay. I am angry with you. And I feel like maybe I was going through my own centering prayer because I think that if you come from a religious background, they'll try to tell you, don't question God. You know, God is sovereign. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, your provider and et cetera. But whenever you're going through grief and you're going through those hard situations, God still sees you because he's omniscient. And if I don't, you know, own up to my truths and tell him how I feel, he's going to already know how I feel. So why, why can't I just tell him? openly and outwardly I'm angry with you I'm mad as hell <laughs> like I wish my dad was here but you know what I'm still thankful that I have a mother I'm thankful that I got to spend 29 years of my life with my dad I'm pissed that my dad didn't see me make it to my 30th birthday but I'm grateful that he was able to walk me down the aisle to my husband and different things like that and I feel like you go through those moments and I call them power struggles has there ever been a power struggle in your life, Rich, whether it was personally or professionally, where maybe your faith was waning? Yeah, I would definitely say so. And it was before I practiced centering prayer, so I probably could have used it then. But I guess I would maybe I wouldn't have been ready for it anyhow. I almost had to be ready for this type of prayer of just sitting with God, thinking of it as, as, as a way to pray. So I, so I would say back in 20, 2009, I left work. My wife and I had to make a decision because we had to take my uh, 
without putting names, we had a family member that, that needed some extra care and someone needed to, to take the time to take care of this person. So I decided to leave the workforce and be a stay-at-home dad and, and take care uh, of this person. And my wife continued working. Well, um, I wouldn't say our plan backfired because as we look back, we're glad we went through the experience and we came out stronger and full of more faith. But as a result of the process, um, we didn't. We, the finances we thought we would have to survive didn't happen. So we, we drained our bank account. We drained our, our 401k investments. Uh, we almost lost our house, and, and we were living on. Uh, we were on food stamps and living kind of day to day. And, and trust, we had to trust God. And my wife, she was trusting God, and I and I was more of angry at God and upset and, and not much help to my wife where she was, she was working, and, but it was a terrible time. But in hindsight, we, we look back, we, we got through it. I ended up going back in the workforce. To, so I left for two and a half years. Um, the person got better. And then my wife said, you need to get back to work. I don't I want you out of the house, but it was right. I needed to, I needed to work. <laughs> so I ended up going back to the company I was at about two and a half years later. And then my income helped, um, and she had a business, and her and her business all of a sudden went south. So the money wasn't coming in. So we were literally living on nothing. I mean, we, there was a period of time where we didn't even have the gas to put in the car, and we were stuck at our house, and, and we didn't know what to do. <laughs> we didn't know what to do, and we were too embarrassed to reach out to people. So yes, so I, I would clearly say um, we had hit rock bottom. But I'm glad. I don't want it to go through it again. <laughs> but I think we came out much different people, full of more faith, trust in God, and, and, a, and a better better sense of really what are the important things in life and people and, and God and, and my job. I mean, yes, my job's important, but money isn't, isn't the most important thing in the world. You need it to live, but the most important thing are people um, and relationships and, and, and trusting God are the most important thing. So that's what it really taught me that that whole two-year period of time where life suddenly started spiraling out of control for us. <laughs> and I love that you were transparent just as much as I was, Rich, because we need to let people know it's not always going to be a cakewalk. Everything is not always <laughs> going to be prim and proper. Sometimes you have to go through, go through the hard seasons, those trials, those tribulations in order to get your testimony. And if you think about the word testimony, the word test is in the beginning of testimony because you are going to be tested. Just like whenever you think about mess, there's always a mess in the message. And there are so many things that are so hard and gruesome where sometimes people just throw in the towel and they never pick it back up out the fire because they're just done and they just tap out. And whenever, if you just would just weather the storm and you go through the dark season, there's always going to be light. It always gets dark during the storm before the lights come out and you see the rainbows and all of that. So ask ourselves, what are we learning in the hard times? What is it that we need to do to get back grounded, to have that balance? Um, whether it's a balance between work and home, whether it's a balance between our spiritual awakening, our spiritual journey, or whatever that looks like for you as an individual, find that balance and do what works best for you. And don't just do it because it's what your family wants you to do. 
it's what society wants you to do, but be whole and complete with yourself. And as you think about where you are now, Rich, and where you came from, what is some advice you would love to give the listeners and viewers? Um, I, I would say, and I guess I'm going to pull centering prayer into this because centering prayer um, really has healed me and transformed me, sitting with God and trusting God and, and trusting what God is going to pray into me and then, and then taking action on it. So I'm, I'm bringing it even you know further forward. It's, 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 it's a continuous trust, a centering prayer. Uh, I learned to trust God. And then as I began practicing centering prayer a couple years later after that, I really learned to trust God and live from my true self, the person God wants me to be. So that's what that's what happens to me during centering prayers. I, I let go of who I am not, all the thoughts I tell myself that aren't true, all my fearful thoughts or anxious thoughts or worried thoughts, and just sit with God and, and say, I trust you. What do you want me to do? What are the steps or, or action steps you wanted me to take so that I can live from my true self um, on a daily basis? So what I, I guess what I would tell people is, is to it's hard, but trust, you trust God. If you, if you trust God and, and learn to listen to God, God will show you the way forward and you just do it, take it one day at a time. Mm, that's a great, um, great advice. So I heard let go and let God trust God, take it one day at a time, let go of limiting thoughts, beliefs, anxiety, and anything that is not conducive for your spiritual growth and journey. And that brings me to the point, and then we'll wind down. You wrote the book, Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. So what was your writing process like? And what made you write this particular book? Sure. Well, what made me write it? I'll blame it on Amos Smith. It's all his fault. And, and I'm glad he did. You know, I had read his book. I mentioned I had learned about Centering Prayer in 2013. I reached out to him on his website. We began a back and forth email, a dialogue. We became friends and we've been working together since then. He, he was he had written that book. He was writing his second book. He he wanted he said, you need to write a book. You need to share your experiences with with the world. Mine are different than yours. And I think you have an important voice that needs to be heard. So he actually challenged me to write a book. And, and so I took him up on it and he kind of helped mentor me through, through the process. So I, the book came about because he nudged me and said, you need to write a book. You know, I'll help you. You're going to write it, but I'll kind of help you with the process. I'll edit it. I'll help you, you know, reach out to publishers and, and learn, navigate that, that process and, and learn it for yourself as well. So it was Amos who nudged me to write a book. I asked my wife, I said, what do you think? And she said, I, sure, I, I think that's okay. And then I, I didn't want to take time away from the family. So I decided to discipline myself. And I actually wrote the book on Saturday mornings uh, at the local Starbucks. I would get up at about 530, put on my baseball cap and, and get in the car, go to the local Starbucks, because they used, they opened up at six o'clock, get a cup of coffee, open the laptop and, and start, start typing. And I did that over a three year period or so. So the book mostly got written at the local Starbucks from about six to 10 a.m. on Saturday, Saturday mornings is, is how it got written. And I'm glad that he nudged you because he was right. Everyone has a story to tell and your experiences were different than his. Did he write the forward of your book? 
Yes, uh, he, um, there's actually, and the, I had a, a forward and an afterward and the publisher said, you know, we just like the idea of two forwards. So he was the afterward and uh, Father Carl Enrico um, was, the, was the forward, but it ended up having two forwards. So yes, he did write one of the two forwards of, of my book. Beautiful. And <laughs> Rich, I want you to close us out with one or two gems that go with the core pillars of the show to educate, inspire, and motivate, and then tell the listeners and the viewers once again who you are, how they could connect with you on social media, and your call to action. Sure. I, I guess what I, I would simply encourage people to try a, a silent prayer practice such as centering prayer. So I would encourage people as you get up, whatever day of the week it is, take one to five minutes of a silent sit and just trust God and, and try it for 30 days and see what happens and see how it changes you. And then hopefully if you find you, it's, it's a part of your day that you can't miss and, and you feel like I need this, that you'll slowly begin increasing the time from you know one to five minutes to 10 or 15 or 20 minutes. So that's the first thing I would, I would just tell people is just to try a daily dose of silence first thing in the morning to connect you to God, connect you to life and get you going. And then um, the best place to find me and to learn more about me and what I do in Centering Prayer is silenceteaches.com. If they subscribe, they'll get my free ebook. It's a short, easy to read book on Centering Prayer. And then if they find that they're even more intrigued and interested, they can check out the book, which is also on, on the website and see if it's something that they want to purchase and take a look at and read. And I love interaction. So if they want to reach out to me on my contact page, I'm, I'm more than happy to interact Sometimes I, I land on Zoom calls with people because they have questions that are best served, you know, on, on a Zoom call. So I love interaction. So feel free to reach out to me as well. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. You just heard Rich Lewis unpack what is centering prayer. Make sure you make some time for yourself to get alone in that still, quiet place and be at one with your thoughts, be at one with your source, your heavenly father, your divine creator, or whoever you choose to worship, but make sure you are being intentional with shutting off the distractions and getting alone and listening to those inner thoughts and having those spiritual downloads so you can launch and be on the right path that is conducive for your personal as well as professional growth. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Signing out, Genesis Amaris Kemp. And my call to action for you is to subscribe to our platform, Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp on the YouTube channel and Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. Have an amazing day.